We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. It's Flo, and this is my impression of someone calling into Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, this is Flo, longtime caller, first time on air. I just wanted to say that I think it is absolute hogwash not to go out there and try Progressive's Name Your Price tool. You can see all your coverage options, and options are how you get rings, championship rings, and parades of rings. Finding options to fit your budget with the Name Your Price tool, only at Progressive.com. You know, not for nothing, but my favorite rings have candy on them. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, October 13th of 2015. I'm Jake Letarski, here today as always with Eric Aturi. If you're out there on Twitter, you can follow Eric at ETCAT30. You can find myself, Jake Letarski, at jakeski 52 Eric, some late Monday night heroics. I got to break the 500 mark and went three and two this week. Uh, two questions for you right off the bat. How'd you fare this week, and how many Jamal Charles shares? So for the second question, no Charles shares. So I dodged a bullet there. Luckily, um, as for the how'd I do this week, uh, went three and one in the four leagues. Uh, finally lost in one of the undefeated teams. So and it was a tough luck loss too. I had Le'Veon going, and the other guy had Antonio Brown and. Uh, Denny Woodhead, so that combination was enough to all ask me. It's all right, though. 
Yeah, Danny Woodhead, the second leading receiver on the Chargers last night. We'll get to that in a second. First, a real quick reminder, this podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher, uh, so we'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to please leave us a nice review on those platforms. Well, as I insinuated, Eric, we're going to recap the Monday Night Football game right away, as is typical on the Tuesday edition. Then we'll get into some waiver wire pickups for this week. But first off... Pittsburgh Steelers pulling on off the victory on the road with Michael Vick under center, uh, winning 24-20 on a pretty... I, I was skeptical about uh, Mike Tomlin making this call at the end of the game at the goal line, but he decided to hand the ball off to Le'Veon Bell with four or five seconds left and, and pretty much put it all in, in his in his guy's hands. Were you surprised by that move at all? Um, I wasn't totally surprised because they kind of maybe learned a lesson from the week before against Baltimore when they actually put the hand in in Michael Vick's hands multiple times and he couldn't come through mm-hmm. so why not go with your best playmaker who, who he was on the night I mean he had 111 yards in this game so he was clearly the best player out there yeah yeah without a doubt and of course that touchdown pulled me out of the cash and just about every daily lineup here because I did oh, not man. I was not using Le'Veon Bell <laughs> I I was it's amazing how one play can put you from the green to the red uh right away there but speaking mm-hmm. of Mike Vick uh 13 of 26 for 203 yards one touchdown one interception he actually had his only rush of the evening was a 24 yard run to really set up that play before uh hitting Heath Miller to get him down to the one yard line there yeah. so uh, pretty respectable performance out of Vic. They're really just asking him to be a game manager, and part of the reason the call didn't surprise me personally was just because they're on the road, they're trying to squeak one out, probably a win that they shouldn't really win or one that they're not expected to Right on. Uh, for sure. And but, yeah, why go to overtime and, you know, mm-hmm. Chargers get the ball first, they score a TD, the game's over. Yeah, exactly. Take your chance. Even with the new overtime rules, you might as well, you're on the road team, you might as well be a little bit risky. But let's yeah. run down now the rest of the Steelers' side, the winning side here. You said Le'Veon Bell, 21 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. Uh, also a little bit used in the passing game, four catches on five targets for 16 yards. So pretty solid day for Le'Veon Bell. Uh, D'Angelo Williams managed to get uh, 20 yards on five carries. And then Marcus Wheaton kind of came out of nowhere for a surprise big play, uh, caught a 72-yard touchdown pass, his only reception on three targets. Uh, I mean, does this really change your outlook on Wheaton at all? Or I mean, I caught him before, and I'm not rushing to pick him back up. Yeah, he's up. rarely been targeted, and even and with Mike Michael Vick under center, he's going to be used even less. So, yeah, I would say he should stick on the waiver wire unless you're in a very, very deep league. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Steelers receivers, a little bit of a unique situation surrounding Martavis Bryant this, uh, this week. Uh, uh, he was, of course, suspended for the first four games. He's eligible to come back, but he was not added to the active roster beforehand. Uh, you you just described this to me really well before we started today. Can you let let our listeners know kind of what happened there? So something uh, actually leaked in the lead-up to the game that he had suffered a knee injury, but because he was suspended the first four games, the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't actually required to put him on the injury report last week. Mm-hmm. So... They just opted to hold him out and not actually reinstate him for the game, saving that 53-man roster spot for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And they actually reinstated Brian on Tuesday here. So uh, I guess we'll watch a practice participation this week, but he you know, should be good to go, it seems like. Yeah. They're reinstating him. Mm-hmm. And with Mike Vick under center, I'm a little bit worried about his productivity over the next couple of weeks. But, of course, you still got to hang on to him for when Big Ben's back, right? Yeah, and there, there was actually rumor, there were rumors rather last night, uh, Monday night that is, that Roethlisberger was aiming or going to aim to return this week. We haven't actually reported that because it's, there, nothing substantial has come out. Nothing from the team has actually mm-hmm. emerged, so we can't really say that. But it's just something, something to keep in mind and watch for this week to see if he does actually return to practice. Yeah, and Roethlisberger kind of has that tough guy reputation of shorter absences than most quarterbacks. He's even played in a lot of games when it's very well possible that he could have sat. And exactly. who's waiting for Roethlisberger more than Antonio Brown owners, oh, no right? Kidding. <laughs> uh, I have one share. How about you? I've got... I t- Two or th- three shares, I think. I, so I actually got half. a lot of him. Uh, yeah. I was drafting five, six in a lot of places and pretty much took him whenever he was on the board. Just three catches on six targets for 45 yards last night. It took mm-hmm. Vic forever to target him in the second half, and, and when he did, his, the passes just weren't even close. So I mean, their their offense was just bogged down the entire second half, too. Cause I was expecting them to just you know try to run clock out with Le'Veon, and they wouldn't even do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and Le'Veon had 89 yards or something like that rushing in the first half, too. 
Yeah, and just bookkeeping on the uh, Steelers receiving side, Darius Hayward Bay targeted as many times as Antonio Brown tied, tied for Brown with six targets. He ended up hauling in two passes for 24 yards. Not a whole lot to expect out of him either. Uh, on the Chargers side here, we go to Phillip Rivers, who threw the ball 48 times. They couldn't seem to get a whole lot going on the ground. Uh, he was 35 for 48, ended up throwing for 365 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. So pretty solid fantasy day for Rivers, despite only putting up 20 points there. Both of his touchdown passes went to Antonio Gates and, uh, yeah, I mean, he reached 100, the seventh person to do that all time. Mm-hmm. And then 101 uh, later on in the second half. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Gates has got to be a tight end one the rest of the way out here. Correct? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if they're going to throw this many times, especially with the ground game stalled seemingly every week, I mean, why not? And we actually mm-hmm. did see the uh, both running backs, Danny Woodhead and Melvin Gordon, get in the passing game this week. Yep. Uh, do you want to mention that? Yeah, absolutely. Danny Woodhead, uh, five catches on seven targets for 66 yards. He was actually the second leading receiver behind Gates in that game. And then Melvin Gordon caught seven passes for 52 yards, targeted nine times. So uh, Philip Rivers targeting the running backs heavy in the passing game despite weapons such yeah. as Gates and, and Keenan Allen and, and, and Ladarius Green, Malcolm Floyd, all those guys. Yeah, you were definitely happy if you had uh, one of those two running backs in the PPR league, for example, because, mm-hmm. you know, they're – they grant, they didn't gain more than 40 yards apiece. Yeah, that's a huge thing. You think Melvin Gordon he has nine points in a standard league, but 16 in a PPR, that makes yeah, a pretty big huge. difference. And it's encouraging to see him being used more on passing downs. I think he'll start to develop and, and live up to his average draft position a little bit more as the season goes along. There's just always a little bit of rookie growing pains there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, some most of my daily woes, I, I had Gates in a few lineups, but then ended up replacing him with Martellus Bennett in quite a few places, oh, and, uh, and that crushed me. I got talked into that on Sunday morning with a little bit of office banter, but... Well, was it some of it my fault? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I don't believe so. I'm not going to lay <laughs> okay. the blame any, anywhere but myself for making those switches, but uh, yeah, yeah rough, r- tough break. That'll happen here. Well, yeah. let's move on. Uh, you know, a lot to talk about Monday night here, but uh, more importantly, it's a big waiver wire week here. And before we get too far in depth, just a couple quick notes. Percentages that we talk about are going to be percentage owned as of Tuesday morning. All fab recommendations based on a 12-team standard scoring $100 budget. And before we get started, just want to let everyone know that the teams that are on a bye week six and other uh, 14 bye week, the Cowboys, the Raiders, the Rams, and the Buccaneers. So fair share of fantasy players, especially running backs. Uh, you think, uh, you know, Murray, Todd Gurley, who's recently emerged, Doug Martin, who had a great game last week, and you one that's still flirting with uh, Joseph Randall, Darren McFadden. So a lot of sure. running backs. Fortunately, we've got a pretty beefy running back section for you guys. So there should be yeah. plenty of uh, good ones out there here. But let's move on to quarterbacks. Uh, Got to mention a couple guys that were we've talked about in the past just because of the high availability. Uh, Blake Bortles still only owned in 25% of Yahoo, 28% of ESPN leagues. Now, he is dealing with an AC joint sprain in his shoulder. You'll want to monitor his status for week six. But he pretty much uh, uh, affirmed our recommendation last week he had his best game of the season uh against tampa bay there um very i mean efficient and and mm-hmm. just numbers wise 23 for 33 303 yards four touchdowns only one interception he'll usually mix one in there but starting to really take advantage of his weapons so i'd say go out and get him if he's still available yeah and he's established uh two of his wideouts as you know legitimate weekly plays too and uh alan mm-hmm. robinson and alan hearn so yeah, so, I mean, not a lot of quarterbacks uh, that you're using that are on a bye this week, so maybe it's not super important because no one's really using Brandon Whedon. Right on. Uh, some may be using Derek Carr after his emergence. Nick Foles, not highly owned. Jameis Winston, if you're still using him, I hope you're in the 2014 league. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, or a two-quarterback format, which we always right. like to discuss. Uh, one last thing I noticed, Andy Dalton's still available in like 20% of Yahoo leagues. How that's happened uh, is beyond me. Yeah, and it's uh, actually 25% in ESPN. Oh, wow, even more in an ESPN league. So yeah. if you're hurting for a quarterback, there's a one-in-four chance. Go and get this guy. Yeah, and Dalton is the actually the number one ranked uh, in standard scoring in ESPN2 right now. Mm-hmm. Number one ranked quarterback, I should clarify. Yep. And he's got a solid duo, duo of backs behind him. He's got Tyler Eifert looking like Rob Gronkowski out there. And, of course, A.J. Green has trailed yeah. off little. So there, there's he'd be the number one target 
uh, this week. Even in an eighteen le- eighteen league, he should probably be starting. Yeah, and the fact that the O line is actually keeping him upright this year and giving him plenty of time to look for those receivers too is very key. Mm-hmm. And that makes all the difference. Russell Wilson yeah. was a, a top five fantasy quarterback on most preseason rankings, but hasn't lived up to that yet because he's been getting smoked. Andy Dalton, it's the other way around from last year. So a lot of reasons for optimism moving forward. Do want to hit a quick 2QB league update for you. Uh, Not much in terms of quarterbacks this week, but do want to mention Matt Castle of the Cowboys. Again, the Cowboys are on bye this week, but what that tells me, uh, I mean, he's universally available. Brandon Whedon struggled pretty badly lately. I mean, after they just got blown out by New England, uh, there's definitely a few more weeks here without Romo. Uh, The Cowboys have to think about starting Castle this week, right? Um, Well... They are, they're actually on bye, I recall. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, so, in, week, uh, in week seven. I'm they're, sorry. they're going to, um, you know, okay, so it, it emerged that, or at least Garrett said that we're going to evaluate quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, mm-hmm. the defense, blah, blah, blah. But I think uh, the main implication there was that they're going to kind of look into the quarterback situation and see if they shouldn't start uh, Castle when they come back from their bye week uh, in week seven. So it, it's just going to be something to watch, and they probably won't practice until – next Monday so that will be the first indication the Mm -hmm. beat writers may actually see if Castle or Whedon whoever it is gets the reps with the first team offense you know Mm -hmm. that would be the first indication that there is a change happening but I mean Whedon still completed 72.4 percent of his passes this season with Romo out of the lineup he's averaging seven and a half yards per attempt which is ranked 16th in NFL it's mid-tier I know he only completed 4.8 yards per attempt against New England but they are uh, one of the premier defenses in the league so I mean that wasn't totally a surprise Mm -hmm. and he only got uh, knocked down three times that's sacks not just clear knockdown so yeah Yeah, definitely yeah so again the performance not as bad as a lot of people will make it out to be but at the same time a couple of juicy matchups coming coming up for uh, the the Cowboys after their bye week they they have the Giants and the Seahawks quite a bit tougher but then they've got Eagles Buccaneers struggling Dolphins so Mm -hmm. it's a juicy schedule leading up to the projected return of Tony Romo Uh, so worth a look in two quarterback leagues you can probably just leave them sit on the waiver wire in standard formats yeah for town yeah all right well let's get on to the running backs this is going to be the beefiest portion of the show here I asked you about Jamal Charles you fortunately had no shares I had one share and it's killing me because I spent all my money on Matt Jones who I'm not down on yet I'm still optimistic but mm-hmm. the reason I'm upset is because I just don't think I'm going to have enough money to pick up Chuck Hendrick West this week uh, and he would have to be the top running back target owned in only 13 percent of Yahoo and one percent of ESPN leagues here you're going all out for West regardless of whether you own Charles yeah since I'm a proponent of the zero running back strategy um you know, my bids have all fallen short, short so far this season, but I'm kind of hoping because a lot of people have, you know, blown a lot of it on these other running backs in previous weeks that I might mm-hmm. be able to actually squeak this one out. I'm not really sure, like, how high I want to go yet because I'm not sure if, like, West is, you know, going to get all that all those carries because, you know, Niall Davis does have the experience in the KC offense, and mm-hmm. he is a preferred choice of Andy Reid in the past. Yeah, now the thing for me is a lot of people are wondering about Davis, but after Charles went down this week, Wes saw 18 snaps, and then Niall Davis only saw four. And Davis, the weeks before that, Davis was used almost exclusively on special teams uh, over the last couple weeks. Uh, You know, I'm pulling this from the comments section of our Working the Wire article, uh, Mm -hmm. looking at that there. So there's reason to think Wes should get it. I Mm -hmm. would still... I could still make a case for, you know, spending four to six dollars on Niall Davis just in case at the very least as a handcuff. Now, for me, that's if and only if uh, Kansas City decides, you know, to not bring in Ben Tate or Ahmad Bradshaw or any of those free agent guys, because that's always a possibility. And if that happens, you would almost imagine that Davis remains where he is on the depth chart, primarily delegated to special teams. So, yeah, the snap call definitely looks good in his direction. Mm-hmm. And actually in pre- three preseason games, West uh, racked up 28 carries for 136 yards, which is almost five yards per carry. Um, and he's averaged four yards per carry on 12 runs this se- or during the regular season, too. So he's kind of upheld that standard. So mm-hmm. you're right. If he does get the bulk of the work, they are a run-heavy offense. He mm-hmm. could be, you know a frequent or near 100-yard rusher on a weekly basis. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, of course, Jamal Charles was pretty much blocking his playing time. Uh, There'd be no reason to consider giving him too many of the shares over Charles. But now 
given the job is his, especially, you know, 4.4 average. He does get a few last two weeks. He's gotten five targets in the passing game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, are you pretty much spending all of your fab money on this guy if you need him, or are, are we tempering it a little bit? Well, I see you mention all of it in our, you know, notes <laughs> here. So, um, yeah, it kind of, it probably depends on how much you have left because mm-hmm. you want to save some for, you know, the next, you know, six to eight weeks of the season. Uh, on the other side of the coin, like, if you have barely spent any of it or you haven't spent any at all, mm-hmm. I would I can see you going to the level that you you spent on Matt Jones earlier this year, which is mm-hmm. in the low 40s. Yeah, I mean, if, and if you're still sitting on $100, I have no problem with the, the 60 to 80. Yeah. Even to get your guy that's going to possibly be your running back too for the rest of season, right especially on. if you own Charles or especially if you punted running backs. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, listeners, right now I have two bids out on Charkandrick West. Uh, one is $35 and one is $42. And you know how I came up with those numbers? 80%. Rest of my budget. Oh, all, the rest of, all budget. of my remaining budget. Okay. That's how I can. <laughs> nothing too technical to coming up with those okay. numbers, but uh, I'll let the listeners that are in leagues with me uh, out there take a wild guess at how much they're going to have to pay. But it, it's going to be a decent amount, and uh, I don't expect to win either of those bids. And if I do, I will be very surprised because I know somebody will go all out. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, one of those leagues, I'm a Charles owner, but I spent too much money on Matt Jones because I was uncomfortable with TJ Eldon, and I spent a lot of money on Safarian Jenkins in that league early on. Mm-hmm. Um, so although I'll be a proponent of always being aggressive, especially early in the season on the waiver wire, uh, it will sometimes come back to bite you in situations like this. So, right. But, yeah, I could very much see a, even a, a $51 budget, even if you don't necessarily – a $51 bid, even if you don't necessarily need him just yeah. to stop someone else who could really benefit it from getting him. You always have to think about that, too, when making your bids. Right on. All right, well, there's a couple other running backs we'll get to. Of course, that was going to be the bulk of the running back portion with those two guys. But a lot of different running backs emerging this week, and we want to touch on a few of them. Now, this was a late addition by Eric. I'll give him the credit here because he noticed that Shane Vereen of the Giants is only owned in 45% of Yahoo and 57% of ESPN leagues. Now, he's pretty much been the main back in the fourth quarter, especially if the Giants find themselves behind. Do you see this keeping up here? Yeah, uh, so the wide receiving core is actually really banged up right now. We, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Odell Beckham left. Uh, what did they play? Yeah, Sunday night against uh, the 49ers. He yep. left with a hamstring injury. Victor Cruz is still dealing with his uh, calf injury, but he says he's aiming to play this Sunday again, which I'm not going to believe until he's actually practicing in full. And then Ruben Randall also came out of this game with a hamstring injury. So Vereen could really be the number two receiving option in this game behind Larry Donnell, the tight end there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, why not line him up in the slot once in a while if, if you have to? Yeah, exactly. So in Sunday night's game against the 49ers, he had eight receptions for 86 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. He hauled in all of his targets, which isn't surprising considering his success in the past, you know, with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's consistently received five carries per game this year at four yards per clip. So um, along with that 20 yards on the ground that you're getting, he could be perhaps the Giants' leading receiver against a Eagles defense that is somewhat yielding. Yeah, I, I would go as far to say that he is a, a must-own player in PPR formats. I yeah. think you have to consider that. Now, of course, if you had a pick between Vereen and West, I think – West maybe has a little bit more utility long-term just because uh, the Vereen utility might be only a couple weeks. Uh, But, hey, I mean, if uh, Beckham and and Randall take a turn for the worse, knock on wood, there's a very, very good chance that he could see the team lead in targets, if not be right up there in the top two or three. So would you put Vereen's floor, say, like a high-end flex play, and then, you know, Mm -hmm. you could potentially – you know, I'll produce that by a fair amount if yeah. he's, you know, one of the main receivers here. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be way too out of the uh, question to, cons- to you know, suggest maybe a double-digit reception game, especially yeah. with those dink and dunks. They're safe throws for Eli Manning, and he can do quite a bit in the open field. Right. And and he's going to get his fair share of targets, that's that's for sure. I mean, Rashad Jennings has been okay. Andre Williams, vulturing goal line carries. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a back-to-own over the next two weeks – in New York, I think it might be Shane Vereen. Yeah, indeed. Which is why I recommend about a quarter of the budget for him. I, I, if he's still out there, maybe even yeah, a little bit more. Th- yeah, just, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yes, because even even if you're in one of those 18 leagues and it's a PPR format, he's worth picking up, and I would say that he's worth a start. They are playing in Philadelphia on Monday night, mm-hmm. so uh, just yeah, know, juicy matchup up. as you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that will be a. Uh, I bet you that'll be one of the highest over unders of the week. Yeah, uh, just when it comes down to it. So yeah. All right, well, let's move on to a couple more running backs. Uh, 
Here's another one that's affected by injury. Fortunately, the injury not as serious. And I'm heading to Baltimore here to talk about uh, Buck Allen, Javorius Allen. He's going to be listed as and in, in most of your uh, waiver formats there. And Justin Forsett, that is because he's dealing with an ankle injury. They don't believe it's a high ankle sprain, which is very fortunate because a high ankle sprain usually means a couple weeks out. So there's a chance Forsett can play. I mean, if you're a four-set owner, are you grabbing Buck Allen just to be safe and maybe handcuff him? Yeah, but only as a handcuff. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll know tomorrow, Wednesday, if Forsett is actually practicing right off the bat. If he is practicing, then, you know, <laughs> like your max bid should really have only been $1 or $2, as we mentioned here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I drafted him in a 14-team league. I, I thought I was a little bit uh, I was a little bit more optimistic on the upside just in case, you know, Justin Forsett almost 30 if, if something were to happen there but this doesn't look to be all that serious Forsett's came on a lot lately yeah if for whatever reason Forsett gets ruled out I could see dropping 8 to 12 I wrote that down I think that's reasonable especially if you need a Forsett handcuff there yeah cons- um, considering like you have to bid uh on Tuesday night here uh you have to get your bids in we were, we're not really going to know anything about his status for mm-hmm. a, while, a little bit here yeah. but anyway um when it comes to Ravens running backs, Lorenzo Taliaferro was actually uh, inactive on Sunday. Remember that? You that was a surprise inactive. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so um, that combina- that combined with Forsett, um, you know, potentially being out has afforded Allen or result in Allen's, Allen's most rushing yards of the season, 58, in this mm-hmm. uh, this past Sunday. Yeah, he had been limited in his touches for most of the year, but of course, like you said, the surprise Talia Farrow inactive. Not exactly sure went down what down there. I mean, when Hayden was listed as probable for Cleveland, I just know this because I covered the Browns, there's some big investigation about why he didn't play. I'm surprised we're not seeing a similar thing with Talia Farrow. But regardless, Buck Allen was pretty much the beneficiary of that. And uh, if Talia Farrow's injury does turn out to be more serious than originally anticipated. Uh, you know, who knows? There, there's plenty of opportunity to go uh, with those two backs. But, uh, and we should note, too, that uh, our college football guy, Mario Puig, uh, actually liked uh, Buck Allen the most out of any of these running backs heading into the season, but he's been so lightly used so far. Mm-hmm. Only 26 carries for 124 yards, which is, you know, almost five yards per carry. Yeah. It's really nice production, and if Forsett happened to be out this coming weekend, then, yeah, Allen w- would be a you know really decent play. Yeah, he'd be a solid play. So I don't think he's skipping him on the depth chart anytime soon, but he's a good player to have, especially for Forsett owners. Yeah. Now what about Bishop Sankey owners here? Uh, we saw a little bit of Antonio Andrews uh, taking at least from the workload. Now Dexter McCluster did get a little bit too, but Antonio Andrews is the player I want to mention today because he's the one who uh, who got the touchdown in Sunday's matchup against Buffalo. Now, carry the ball just seven times for nine yards, but he seems to be the go-to option for uh, the goal line carries, at least yep. here. Now, is Antonio Andrews worth a couple bucks if you're hurting for a back this week? Yeah, most definitely. Um, he's got, or he's reached end zone in back-to-back weeks. He's got 19 carries as opposed to 13 from a cluster and 12 for Sankey over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And he's actually been involved decently in the passing game. He has the most targets among those three with six, uh, getting five, four receptions for 57 yards. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like he seems to be the number one option right now, or at mm-hmm. least the number one scoring back out of that backfield. Yeah. So that's encouraging uh, mm-hmm. for his usage going forward. Yeah, it was actually Tennessee's leading receiver this week with uh, 45 yards, Jeez. so that's encouraging. <laughs> Just looking at the carry distribution this week alone, granted it's one game, Dexter McCluster, eight carries for 20 yards, Sankey, seven carries for 20 yards, Andrew, seven for nine. So the yards per carry wasn't that great, but the goal line touches certainly make up for that. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're a Cardinal fan, you saw how much that can help with David Johnson getting those two touches. Uh, yep. Just completely unpredictable there, but you know, you might think Dexter McCluster, but I think the goal line carries gives me the edge to Andrews in that situation. Yeah, McCluster might be able to get you three or four points this this week, but Andrew, Andrews is more likely to get you double digits. Yeah, and he's owned almost everywhere, or he's unowned rather, almost everywhere. Eleven percent Yahoo, twenty-two percent ESPN. So mm-hmm. he's out there for anybody who's really looking for a running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe worth if you're lining up your running back bids, he definitely comes in at third or fourth, but still worth five to ten dollars if. Uh, if you're unable to if you don't have enough cash to get a guy like west uh, yeah. uh now speaking of unowned pretty much everywhere yep. we saw a guy in the detroit chicago or i'm sorry the, the detroit arizona game last week get a lot more reps than we would expect that zach zenner he's owned at zero percent of yahoo zero percent of espn leagues 
And part of the reason for this is a very juicy matchup against the Bears this week, uh, the noon game on Sunday here. And, and, I mean, what do you think about Zenner? We had Abdul have a couple early fumbles, and, and that's pretty much why they turned to Zenner. Do you think this pattern continues here, or do they go back to Abdullah for next week's matchup? I, I think they're – okay, so in college he – you know, basically got all the work at Nebraska because, you know, he was the number one guy. There was no doubt in that. Um, but he also fumbled 17 times at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So if this this trend has seemingly continued in the NFL and he actually got sad because, you know, there's plenty of talent in the NFL to go around. You're not going to keep your job if you keep continuing to fumble. fumble. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't look good for Abdullah. And Joyke Bell is actually planning to return this week after missing two games due to an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, things don't look bright for Abdullah. But, uh, I mean, Zenner is the healthy option and that doesn't fumble. So, you know, you could see him being the number one option in the running game, I guess, this Sunday against, you know, as you said, a Chicago defense that yields a lot. Yeah, especially say the Giants or the Giants, excuse me, the Lions finally decide to get it together for the first time this year. They're 0 5, uh, and at least they have the home matchup against the Bears. It's a division rival. You have to imagine they'd be a little bit pumped up to play. Now, Jay Cutler's been playing very well since returning from his camp- hamstring injury. Okay, very well. Might be a little bit of a stretch, but better than normal, I guess, expectations yeah. there. Uh, so who knows? What if the Lions get ahead and have to run the ball? Then there could be plenty of carries to go around. The problem in Sunday's game is it was a blowout by the Cardinals from the beginning, even on their home crowd. So the Lions only ran the ball 18 times. But say they run the ball 30 times, I think you can find in the 8 to 12 carry range probably for center. Yeah, that's not out of the question for sure, yeah. All right, we got a couple more, uh, I guess, darts, as Mike Doria would like to say, yeah. uh, to throw here. Um, and it's a couple split backs. These next two uh, groups, I guess, that we're going to talk about, they're really not uh, someone that you can expect to carry you long-term, even much past the week. But if you're in a 16- and 20-team league and it's bye week time, we mentioned all the backs that are on bye weeks. There's a, a, a lot of them. Uh, and you need, you just need somebody to pick up for zero or one dollars that can make that can probably get you four or five points this week there's a few backfields that we want to monitor and one of them is Jacksonville uh it's quite a bit dependent on the TJ Yeldon ankle injury there but uh two backs that are pretty much universally unowned are Bernard Pierce and Tobinbo Gerhardt of the Jacksonville Jaguars there apparently that's what Wikipedia says his real name is there so uh, look it up I'm not lying but uh yeah those guys uh both have a chance to get a few points. Uh, you know, not, don't have the greatest matchup. They have Houston. At least it's a home matchup in a noon game. It's a little bit dependent on the uh, on the TJ Elden injury in, in, in my part. But you know, you yep. can get a couple points out of these guys, right? Yeah, and uh, Yeldon, it's all contingent upon Yeldon actually being held out or, and this groin injury lingering for a while. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to know anything until he actually practices this week. So these are really spec ads. You know, throw a, throw a $0 bid if you have basically no cash left and you're in need of a running back. And, you know, kind of hope that these guys can actually help you out this week because Yeldon doesn't play. But we've seen Yeldon get basically all the carries this year when mm-hmm. he is healthy. So that could bode well for whoever actually comes in and, you know, replaces him if he does sit out yeah I mean Yeldon's had a couple I feel like 25 carry games and yeah. even if they split it 10-15 that's enough to get maybe four or five fantasy points out of these two. Oh yeah for and, sure and two backs that I think are in a very similar situation is if we head over to Buffalo now not quite as much availability there but uh Boom Heron 4% owned in Yahoo 4% ESPN Anthony Booby Dixon uh, a little bit higher ownership because a lot of people picked him up this past week yeah. when they knew LaShawn McCoy, McCoy was going to be out with his hamstring injury and Carlos Williams with his concussion so Booby Dixon um, kind of had a dud even with the increased opportunities, but uh, 21% owned in Yahoo, 41% ESPN. I put these guys on the same uh, same playing field as Pierce and Gerhardt there. Of course, they're a lot, just like Pierce and Gerhardt, they're dependent on their lead backs. If uh, if LaShawn McCoy or Carlos Williams comes back and starts, their, their workload is going to be very limited. However, if for whatever reason Williams is unable to clear concussion protocol, then there might be... Uh, a reason to go ahead and and start these guys they do have a pretty tough match against the Bengals though yeah so Carlos Williams is obviously murky his situation's murky rather because he has a concussion but LaShawn McCoy is almost certainly out because he's not mm-hmm. expected to return till November with his hamstring injury yeah so what do they it, say with him is it a grade two strain I, I'm just spitballing here I don't have his page in front of me something like that but it's like, some, yeah so it's a like, little more serious than anticipated <laughs> 
I mean, I, I'm really surprised they even let him play the first few weeks of the season. I don't know why they didn't just mm-hmm. hold him out and make sure he was healthy. And by midseason, if he is health, if and when he is healthy, then he's good to go for the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, those first couple of weeks could have very well cost him another four to six weeks exactly. just by going too early. But regardless so, of that, you got to look at where you can profit, right? Yeah, right. So in week five, uh, Dan Heron got nine carries for 28 yards. Dixon had seven carries for 19 yards, along with three receptions on three tar- targets for 20 yards. Mm-hmm. So they had about equal usage. I don't know what their exact breakdown of snaps was, but... It, it looks like they're probably going to, you know, get a 50-50 split of the workload if, mm-hmm. you know, Williams and McCoy are still out. Yep. And I'm just reading our last Carlos up, or our last Carlos Williams update there, and there's a CBS Sports report that suggested that he might sit out week six. So, again, mm-hmm. it's worth monitoring if you are in a deep league and need to bid on someone that you don't think anybody else will. Yeah. These guys could very well fill that void for you. Yeah. All right, well, football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week 6, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1.2 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit on DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Well, Eric, we're going to move on with the second portion of our show where we get to uh, some wide receivers. Now, the wide receiver position group isn't as uh, isn't as enticing as the running backs this week. Uh, uh, the guy, as we're going to, as far as the guys that we haven't talked about yet, uh, a lot of lesser named guys, some guys that are worth a look. But to me personally, the guys you want to look at are some of the guys we discussed in the past. So it's worth rehashing a few of these. Ty Montgomery is one of them, certainly, after his touchdown this week in Green Bay. Still only owned in 11% of Yahoo, 7% of ESPN leagues. Yep. And uh, he seems to be uh, getting the uh, confidence of Aaron Rodgers by the week. I mean, he still has, like, an infuriating drop um, almost every game. But um, Rodgers is, you know, looking his way a little more and a little more and a little more as the season goes on. And it, as long as, you know, Devontae Adams is out of the lineup, I mean, he's mm-hmm. the third wide wider wide out here so yeah and the Packers have no reason to rush Devonte Adams back really with I mean the receiving core has been holding up just fine yeah. mostly thanks to James Jones the NFL's leader in yards per target I was well, looking at that stat earlier it, it's hard to say I mean we're holding up you know fine because uh our offense has only scored you know 17 and 24 points in back-to-back weeks and that's not what we're expecting in an Aaron Rodgers helmed offense but mm-hmm. our defense has play, been playing sorry the Packers defense has been playing well enough to you know make for comfortable wins at the very least mm-hmm. but yeah just as a Packer fan I really like what I'm seeing out of Montgomery oh, he's not yeah. afraid of contact at all of course there's a drop every once in a while but if you picked him up and started him uh I, you obviously got some profit this year, over 50 yards and a touchdown. And I actually I picked him up in uh, a 14-team league uh, two weeks back, and I, I already got one trade offer for him. So oh, people nice. are really excited. Fortunately, I'm not starting him yet because I have Macklin, Antonio Brown, and Jordan Matthews so far. Although, I don't know if Brown and Matthews keep this up. I might have to rethink that strategy a little bit. But Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback in that league. So uh, just like I won a league one year using Rodgers and Randall Cobb with a deep uh, with a deep pick, and I'm hoping I can pull off the same doing a, a Rogers Montgomery combo. Yeah. Oh, I hope you do too, man. All right. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, right on with that. Uh, but let's move on to New Orleans, where Willie Sneed, someone who I wasn't particularly high on, had another pretty big game. Now, Willie Sneed, an undrafted free agent there, and he seems to be gaining the favor of Drew Brees. I think we touched on him briefly a week ago, but he had more targets than anybody on the Saints, and that's really what I, following the targets, that's really affirming it for me. 11 Mm -hmm. targets, he had two more than Brandon Cooks, who finally had a good game this year, which is nice to see. But Snead, although he didn't find the end zone, caught six passes for 141 yards, and that was bolstered by a 59-yard reception. Is Mm -hmm. Snead the real deal? Can you start him? Uh, Yeah, like the fact that he has the trust of Drew Brees, the fact that he's going back to the well constantly, with him is very encouraging he's had at least six targets in four straight weeks culminating Mm -hmm. with this you know season and career high 11 on uh sunday so yeah for sure like i i can't like deny that he's actually you know a viable fantasy option right now Mm -hmm. and and the same can be said of a guy like kamar aiken from baltimore who's still only owned in 24 percent of yahoo and 33 percent of espn leagues and i think he's absolutely worthy of wide receiver three status as long as steve smith is on the shelf there and uh he is another receiver who led his team in targets now granted baltimore was very very slim at the position uh this week 
Got nine targets. The efficiency wasn't the greatest, but still caught four of them for 78 yards. So worth an update in that department. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other receiver who we've touched on in the past that I just want to kind of say again, and this relates a lot to our Shane Vereen argument right now, is Dwayne Harris. He is only owned in uh, 2% of Yahoo, 1% of ESPN League, so he should be available everywhere. And it's a little bit contingent on Odell Beckham and Ruben Randall. They're both dealing with dueling hamstring injuries. But if either one of those guys sits or takes a turn for the worse, Harris yeah. is probably worth a look, right? Yeah, and he could be the, you know, quote-unquote number one receiver, wide receiver rather, in this mm-hmm. game, even if he isn't the most targeted, you know, because Vereen and Larry Donnell are probably going to get those uh, mm-hmm. that honor at least. Yep. And even on Sunday night, Dwayne Harris, six catches on eight targets for 72 yards. Did not yeah. find the end zone, but you can almost willing to bet he'll get a couple of end zone looks if, if he ends up being the number one guy here in week six. And the fact that he's actually, you know, <laughs> caught the ball as opposed to Preston Parker, who, you know, started the season as number three wide out in New York and dropped everything. Yep. Like that, that's why he's getting a chance and actually showing what he can do right now. All right. And finally, Alan Hearns, no joke here. Uh, only owned in 57% of Yahoo, 49% of ESPN leagues. So it's essentially a coin toss if he's out there. That boggles that's... me. And for me, another touchdown this past week uh, helped me quite a bit in daily with uh, low ownership there. Um, but, I mean, Hearns, you got to go get him, right? You could you can start him in, in a 10-team league even if you had to. And uh, even, you know, Blake Bortles dealing with the shoulder injury. Hearns was still pretty productive with Chad Henney a little bit. Yeah, so he's progressed from 60 to 68 to 70 to 116 in back-to-back weeks. Yes. So he's increased his yardage every week. His... Uh, targets have been a little sporadic from 4 to 15, so mm-hmm. you got to keep that in mind. But he's been really economical with those targets. He's averaging 15.9 yards per, per catch this season, which is pretty phenomenal. That's uh, getting to the tupper, upper tier of wide receivers in the league too. So mm-hmm. he's you know he has these explosive plays. He has 40 of 20-plus and 1 of 40-plus already in five games. So he's having one of those big plays every game so far. Mm-hmm. And the, the numbers to date, you know, you could say big play dependent, partially maybe, maybe not, but the numbers to date – have earned him wide receiver one status now i don't know if we can say wide receiver one status rest of season yeah. but for someone with that availability he needs to be owned in all formats oh yeah there's no you know he'll he'll get up to that 80 to 90 percent mm-hmm. by the, this probably weekend. by next week because i think yeah. people are going to start to realize that this really isn't a fluke yeah exactly all right a couple other guys we want to talk about these are probably some uh some smaller bids uh of course all those guys that we just discussed probably take precedent over these guys that we want to hit on. But a few other names emerged a little bit this week. Uh, Jalen Strong for the Houston Texans, 1% in both Yahoo and ESPN leagues. He's kind of broke broke onto the scene this week. If I remember correctly, I I saw on the telecast Thursday night that it was only his second active week of of the season or something like that. Yeah, second active week of the season. Has a pretty nice matchup against Jacksonville on Sunday. Had two touchdowns. Now, granted, one of them was kind of a Hail Mary at the end of the half. Uh, For those of you who have followed his college career, he's no stranger to catching those types of plays. Uh, So, of course, you know, you kind of take the Hail Mary out because that's not really dependent every week. There's a little bit of luck involved in there. But should Jalen Strong be rostered in deeper formats? I mean, it could be partially dependent on surrounding injuries, correct? Yeah, since Nate Washington is dealing with a hamstring injury and Cecil Shorts, he missed Thursday's game against Indy due to a dislocated shoulder. Um, of the two, though, Cecil Shorts has the better chance, apparently, to play this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keep that in mind. But it looks like only one of the two potentially is going to actually play. So that puts, you know, Strong at the number two wideout position. Mm-hmm. And they're not really using their tight ends all that much. You know, Garrett Graham and CJ Fedorowicz. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, he, he's a decent play. But he only has two targets on the season. They happen in this game. Yep. Uh, last week so yeah so a little bit fluky maybe if you need a bottom barrel price guy to finish out your tournament lineup on DraftKings, something like that someone in the three thousand dollar range but even then probably not too high on him there now what about marquez wilson now he uh he went ahead and had a pretty nice game uh sunday part of the reason uh you know jay cutler has been able to succeed thus far without elshon jeffrey here uh, he was a little bit banged up. I mean, all the Chicago receivers were banged up early in the year from hamstring to what have you. But uh, Marquez Wilson, uh, eight targets, six catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Is he the real deal yet, or is he dependent on Jeffrey coming back or not? Yeah, I mean, this is all because Alshon Jeffrey is out with a hamstring injury, and Eddie Royal was out actually this past weekend, too, with an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there were a lot of targets to go around, but I'm not— 
Okay, it's gonna. We're gonna have to wait till practice actually starts Wednesday to know if these guys are coming back. But last week, Jeffrey only practiced a little bit, and then he was downgraded and no practice by Friday. And Eddie Royal actually didn't practice at all last week. So these injuries are maybe a little more serious than you know the Bears are letting on. So it's really contingent upon them actually you know returning and showing that they can actually stay and practice the entire week before I'm very high that they'll actually return. So I guess what I'd really like Wilson and probably like him a little more than Strong this week, yeah. Jalen Strong Yeah, I would say there's there's definitely a higher floor there if you're looking at Wilson. And especially they're going to be going against the Lions too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. why not throw out the bid and, you know, hope it pays off right away? Yeah, you can, yeah, you can look at him in both daily and season long this week. I think you can make a case for that because the Lions been getting torched through the air this year for the most part. Here. So yeah, yeah, like he he should be a nice daily play at the very least because mm-hmm. you mean you know you'll be able to go down to the wire and know if Elshon Jeffrey and Eddie Royal are playing. Whereas, I mean, you're gonna have to guess on a bid. What do you think? Four to six this week? Yeah, I'd say four to six is reasonable. I think six dollars should win you Marquez Wilson in most formats, yeah. most twelve team formats. Yeah, and he'll he, fly under the radar. He's actually been targeted eight times in back-to-back weeks with Cutler back, too, so he mm-hmm. seems to have the trust of him. Yeah, the chemistry and the comfort is in- immensely important there. And, I mean, Martellus Bennett only called in four of his 11 targets. So, I mean, you'd think of Bennett as someone that Cutler trusts. And, you know, I, I thought that maybe I-, I dropped the ball by picking Bennett in daily lineups, but really it was Bennett that, you know, literally dropped the ball uh, yeah. by, you know, missing seven of his targets, poor efficiency. So maybe Cutler leans to Wilson a little bit more dependent on that it's really tough to relate the two situations but the opportunity should be there nonetheless yeah, yeah I, I didn't re- I didn't see Sunday's game against the Chiefs to know if Bennett was actually dropping those passes or if Cutler was just you know didn't have it in the right place for him to actually get up yeah or actually be able to catch it which is always entirely possible yeah exactly with Cutler so uh, okay. um but like the Casey defense might have put an uh an importance on actually covering uh, Bennett to make sure he didn't kill them in this game. Mm-hmm. And maybe that allowed Wilson to be more open than, than expected. And maybe he will be, you know, more of a focus of defenses if he is perhaps the only wide receiver playing mm-hmm. this weekend. Yeah. But even if Wilson falls down to maybe six targets right. or five or six targets, I, st- I still think he can end up with a four catch for 50 yard game, which is, yeah. which is, and if he finds the end zone once there, you've got your double digits, right? You're right. There. Exactly. All right. One other receiver I want to look at a little bit. Who's been uh quite a bit surprisingly consistent over the last couple weeks is Jamison Crowder, the Washington Redskins. Now, of course, Deshaun Jackson has been absent uh, lately here, and and that's, of course, affected things. And Crowder does draw a tough matchup uh, on the road against the Jets this week. But Crowder's drawn 20 targets over the last two weeks. You see him and Cousins kind of building that type of chemistry there. And, I mean, yeah, you think of him in a similar boat as Wilson or 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 better or worse so yeah as you mentioned he's taking advantage of Deshaun Jackson not playing since week one due to hamstring injury we have no idea when he's going to return and Jordan Reed also is you know one of their top pass catchers and he's dealing with another concussion so mm-hmm. he could be out for some time yep. and Garcon actually only had a season low three catches on Sunday so that allowed you know Crowder to take advantage of you know, open looks perhaps. Yeah. And I mean, you look at Crowder last three weeks, six for 45, seven for 65, eight for 87. Now he hasn't found, uh, the end zone yet, but, uh, he has been getting looks. He got, uh, one target inside the 10 last week and it looks like he had three targets inside the 20 the week before so he's knocking on the door at least yeah it seems like it's only a matter of time then until he gets in mm-hmm. there yeah they're, they're not going to be able to hold him out uh, of the end zone forever but Crowder not the biggest body though 5'8 185 so that might be part of the reason why he hasn't done as well in the red zone and the Jets they play the Jets this weekend who might be fairly physical with him too so you know it's mm-hmm. kind of a you know iffy bet for him to actually keep it up but you never know if you know, Jackson and Reed continue to sit out. There will be plenty of targets to yep. go around. Yeah, and you know, always follow the targets. That's like my motto of this podcast over the yeah. last couple of years. Just always follow the targets because sure. eventually uh, you, you'll find a way. Targets and snaps, uh, at least you can look at opportunities, and then it's a matter of some of these guys just executing. Now, I yeah. see. I seem to be inclined that Crowder might – do a little bit better long term than Marcus Wilson, so I put a couple extra dollars for him. But if you're going this week alone and looking for a one week fill in, then I probably like Wilson. Yeah, agreed. Okay, and one more receiver we definitely want to hit on today. Uh, heading over to New England, Brandon LaFell. Now, uh, going to be eligible to return here in a couple weeks, so he worth a stash right now, Eric? 
So one thing that I liked was that he actually traveled with New England to their away game against Dallas this past weekend, Mm -hmm. which actually doesn't happen in the Bill Belichick era for uh, anybody who's actually not going to play. He actually came with the team. He was working out with his teammates on the field before the game. Mm -hmm. So it looks like he's on schedule to actually return in week seven, and he's eligible to come off the pup list at that point too. So we're looking to see him actually come back. And, you know, Danny Amendola and Aaron Dobson haven't, you know, really busted out in uh, mm-hmm. uh, with him out of the lineup, so he could easily slot into the number two wideout spot and really, you know, solidify that offense. Yeah, I, I mean, Edelman's pretty much been their big play guy yep. in LaFell's absence, and, and LaFell certainly has the opportunity to be a big play guy. Now, uh, his best year ever with the Patriots in 2014, 74 catches on 119 targets, 953 yards, and seven touchdowns. So quite the fantasy year. He turned himself into a, a very valid wide receiver that should have been started every week. I don't know if he'll jump back into that right away, but the Patriots score a ton of points, and he should be able to get his, right? Yeah, right, and he, he, didn't, he wasn't even able to take part in their Super Bowl run or at least the end of it because he was dealing with a toe injury, I believe. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he'll be like he'll be looking to get back here and actually do something for the team for the first time in nearly a year. Yeah, and the reason we mention it this week is because you can get ahead and get him for a buck or two this week where if you wait a couple weeks, more people are going to jump on it and uh, you know might throw $10, $15 bids on him because he could be a bit of a game changer, especially if you're starting three wide receivers. Yeah, you're right. He's more of a stash in play than anything right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, absolutely a stash. But we'll continue to mention him. We'll at least try to remember to mention him over the next couple weeks just in case he's still available in your leagues because I know with bye weeks going on, you don't always have the bench space and have to make some touch, tough decisions. But yeah. if you have a team with later bye weeks or – plenty of bench spots uh I, I think he needs to be owned here but with that uh, we'll move on to the tight end position here and uh we'll start from the top here uh I'm gonna go ahead and admit I was a little bit wrong I thought Gary Barnage was gonna be a fluke I wasn't very confident in him but he had yet another big game Sunday against the Ravens just uh really proven me wrong I didn't really have confidence in any of these Browns tight ends to start the year but Josh McCown has I mean, played surprisingly well. I didn't really expect him to do that well. And Gary Barnage, as long as he's getting double-digit targets, he's going to be a stud. Now, he was the team's leading receiver Sunday with eight catches for 139 yards and a touchdown targeted 10 times. Of course, um, anyone who's seen SportsCenter over the past few days have seen that between-the-leg catch, and I would argue that that is, a, I mean, good concentration, but a little bit lucky than skill. You know, you could argue that he could have, should have caught it with his hands the first time. But anyway, we made for a highlight real catch here is Barnage starting to be someone that we start to maybe creep into tight end one territory. <laughs> He's certainly in wire or tight end two territory. Um, yep. Yeah. Like he should be owned everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's no doubt. He's a top yep. five tight end right now. Uh, actually top three tight end right now yeah. after three big weeks. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is on the basis of three touchdowns in each of the past three weeks, or sorry, a touchdown in each of the past three weeks, not three touchdowns per game. Mm-hmm. And um, but still, I, he's still, he's been targeted 26 times in those mm-hmm. three games. Yeah, you can't argue with that. And, you know, thinking about it a little bit more, general manager Ray Farmer, uh, maybe he saw something in Barnage that allowed him to let uh, – um, Jordan Cameron walk to free mm-hmm. agency because Cameron's not having the greatest year with the Dolphins right now and Barnum just having a huge year like Cameron's numbers in his breakout year so uh, I mean I, I don't know I've, I've followed the Browns and Ray Farmer enough that I don't want to quite give him that much credit yet but at the same time maybe that was part of his thought process there so it and so mind-boggling that Josh McCown is actually you know having a you know, great season with the talent at his disposal too. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we didn't expect Barnish to do this, but also, you know, Travis Benjamin is breaking out this year too. Mm-hmm. And he had similar talent or yeah, much better talent rather last year in Tampa Bay. And he couldn't do a heck of a lot with Jackson and Mike Evans, at least touchdown wise. Yeah. And well, I mean, Benjamin's emerged as a pretty solid wide receiver one, yeah. but outside of that, obviously Dwayne Bowe's an, a non-factor, another healthy scratch, I believe Sunday. And then, I mean, yeah, he's got guys like Taylor Gabriel and Andrew Hawkins, which I think are five, eight and five, seven respectively. So merely slot receivers at this point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then of course, uh, Brian Hartline, um, pretty much a non-factor one catch for five yards on three targets here I don't I don't yeah. think he's a real game changer there so it's uh I guess the double B's Barnage and Benjamin in Cleveland and uh I mean if Bar- Barnage is still out there I can see going 10 to 15 this week just so you lock him up while other people are are maybe preoccupied spending their money on running backs and, and how did uh Duke Johnson do with uh 
you know, after the big breakout last week. Yeah, I mean, Duke Johnson, uh, again, heavily targeted in the passing game. Eight targets, six catches for 55 yards, and then uh, ran the ball nine times for 22 yards. So not super efficient on the ground, but uh, in those PPR leagues, Duke Johnson, uh, it's an, another double-digit day for Duke. So, yeah, so it seems like the Browns have, like, a viable receiver in every level that you would potentially, you know, be in the passing game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Duke Johnson short, Barnage middle, and Travis Benjamin long. I mean, they're surprisingly have a complete offense right now yeah and everyone wanted to uh you know get on their coaching staff in front office for not letting johnny manzel consent excuse me continue to start yeah but now we've got josh mccown showing why that decision was made and i don't think they're going to look back given mccown's health not at all no reason to do that at this point a couple more tight ends to go take a look at here uh one is jacob tammy he had a pretty big game for the falcons this week granted a, a little a few extra minutes to contribute there with that game heading to overtime but tammy Tied with Julio Jones for the team lead in targets. They each were targeted 10 times. Tammy came away with eight catches for 94 yards. Is this something that we can expect moving forward, or was this kind of just a little bit of a fluky week? Oh, man, it's it, it's kind of weird because Julio you know, was came into the game with a toe-slash-hamstring injury, mm-hmm. and that hampered him, I think, a little bit. And Hankerson, I think, actually left. Leonard Hankerson left the game with a hamstring injury, too. Yep, so I there used were a lot of, daily. I remember that very clearly. <laughs> so Yeah, there were a lot of reps to go around, and this is, let's see, coming into the game, he only had eight receptions total, and he matched that in this game. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, targets, too. Ten, ten targets in those first three weeks yep. of the season. Not even looked at in week four, and then matched that in week five. So I'd say it's a little bit fluky, but at the same time, you could probably gamble a little bit and go on that upside. Now, and now remember here, if I if I say a tight end's a little bit fluky, then uh, apparently he's going to go off for a hundred yards and a touchdown in the next three weeks. So, so uh, I guess I'm going for him, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess we're going to go for it here because uh, I put that reverse jinx. I guess I'll I'll put it on Jacob Tammy this week. So I I don't know, maybe six to eight dollars on the waiver wire just in case you have a viable tight end two moving forward i definitely don't rank him in my top 10 rest of season but he's getting to the point where he's worth owning at least yeah exactly i would say that uh, a couple more uh tight ends worth looking at here now these are guys that are really more destined for deeper formats i wouldn't go ahead and put a ton of fab money out there on them but uh two selleks garrett selleck and brent selleck now garrett Garrett Selleck of the 49ers, 1% Yahoo, 1% ESPN, has a matchup against Baltimore. Got to love that matchup uh, with how they've been performing lately. You saw what they did to jo- or they let Josh McCown do to them. Yeah. Um, and then Brent Selleck, uh, Eagles, another pretty decent matchup against the Giants on Monday night. Both of these guys are owned in just 1% of both Yahoo and ESPN formats. Garrett Selleck, I'm a little bit hesitant on because Vernon Davis is going to be back pretty soon here. Does that completely devalue Selleck or Garrett? I'm just going to call first names from now on. All right, so with Garrett, he's actually received uh, three reception or he's had caught three re- three balls every week, but week two when he had two. So he's actually been consistent in the passing game. He's only averaging 9.4 yards per catch, though, so that's not totally encouraging. And his best game of the season this past Sunday against the Giants was you know, boosted by a touchdown, so... Mm-hmm. You know, single t- digits in non PPR yeah, leagues. Exactly. So his target count isn't high enough because he's maxed out at five so far, and you're really just hoping he gets a touchdown. Um, let's see. So far, he's only been targeted. Oh, he's been targeted in the red zone three times this season. Mm-hmm. And you say that as opposed to Brent Selleck, who has been targeted well just twice in the red zone this year. So not a whole lot better. But Brent Selleck touchdowns in back to back weeks now. I'm one of those fantasy owners that has just been waiting for Zach Ertz to break out and fully take this job from Selleck, mm-hmm. but Selleck keeps delaying that, and how long do you think that can continue, really? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so Selleck, coming into week five, had only had two catches for 16 yards on three targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a touchdown on one of those, so I think he's it's largely contingent on him actually reaching the end zone as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ertz is still getting most of the usage correct. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, if you're in a touchdown only league that is like I, I don't know i've heard of some crazy touchdown only they're almost pools and not fantasy leagues because they're yeah. so different than a standard fantasy league but if you're in one of those 20 team touchdown only pools and you need you either have a budget restriction or a really really late pick and need to make an ad drop with someone who can maybe get you a touchdown i mean i put him in like the same realm as maybe like jake stoneburner or something like that right. guys that are very very touchdown dependent 
could prove useful in certain formats, and that's why we're just going to mention him at the bottom of our tight end segment. Yeah, so when the Eagles' offense is humming along, uh, Ertz is actually getting eight targets, seven to eight targets per game, whereas when they're in the doldrums, he's not getting the ball a lot. So I think it's it's really important for them to actually get the ball in his hands to open up everything else for you know mm-hmm. Murray and Aguilar and whoever, Jordan Matthews, yeah. for example. Because there are so many weapons on that team, and even I consider Ertz more of a weapon than, than Brent Selleck there. Yeah. But, uh, so if he's on the field and he's not used as a blocker, there's a chance. I mean, there's a pretty decent chance he's left open or he's left with one-on-one coverage with a linebacker. And he has shown over the years that he can win that matchup. Yeah, exactly. That That's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, we pretty much know what we're getting here. And, and the formats that you're used, that you'll be able to get some utility out of him are quite limited, but worth a mention anyway after the last couple weeks here. We're going to close up, as we usually do, with kickers and defenses. And the one kicker I wanted to make note of this week is Travis Coons of the Cleveland Browns. And uh, maybe I just noticed this because I cover the Browns and, and have to write a kicker update every week. So, you know, that could have made it point out to me. But he kicked four field goals last week. I think two of them were over 40 yards, the other two in the 30s range. Hasn't missed a kick all year, field goal or extra points. So he's been incredibly accurate, and he's pretty much available everywhere. I mean, if you've got... Uh, a kicker on a bye this week uh, you know again uh, the four teams on bye this week are the Cowboys so Dan Bailey I need to replace in a lot of places Sebastian Janikowski for the Raiders I actually need to replace uh, Greg Zerline or uh, I don't even know is, is Tampa Bay's kicker what's his name Brisler right now or something uh, like that Connor Barth came back oh Connor Barth came back okay sorry about that uh, just a, a mind slip there but if you've got a kicker to replace I think Travis Coons is uh, not only uh, a viable one-week replacement but he's also potentially rest of season based on what he's done so far. I thought the biggest limiting factor with Coons heading into the year was the Browns' offense, but the Browns' offense is moving the ball a lot better than expected lately, and that's only meant good things for Coons. Yeah, so they've been good between the 20s, the Cleveland offense. Yep. So they move the ball quickly from 20 to 20, but then once they actually get close, they more often than not kick a field goal. So far they have nine. He has nine mm-hmm. extra points, Coons does, and 11 field goal attempts. So, you know, that kind of tells you their, like, the breakdown of their scoring so far. And they actually play the Broncos this weekend, too. So I can totally see the Broncos, you know, letting them maybe get down the field. But when they do actually get close, they mm-hmm. keep them out of the end zone since they are, you know, the top defense in the league so far. Yeah, and I mean, the Broncos' defense has been very good this year so far, and that's part of the reason it's been keeping them in games. So yeah. maybe a little bit hesitant to use him, especially because he was the minimum price kicker on a lot of daily sites this week. But now uh, I'd imagine that price will go up a few hundred dollars, and I might look elsewhere. But as far as your season-long format, I think he's a pretty decent plug-and-play this you're, week. You're right. The Broncos' defense might be good enough to actually, you know, just stop him completely. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't get any opportunities to kick, but who knows? All right. What about a couple defenses this stream? Now, I wrote down a couple, and looking at those team names, I'm thinking, why did I write those guys down again? But looking back at it, it's uh, a little bit matchup Match-up, based. Yeah, right. On. Yeah. So, uh, so one week fill ins, potentially. Yeah, one week fill ins. I'm not looking at these guys' rest of season because defenses like the Houston Texans have been plon- prone to the blow up this year. Yeah. But the reason I say that is because they do have the Jaguars and both Blake Bortles and TJ Eldon are a bit banged up, and they there's plenty of explosiveness still around in that passing game, even if, dare I say, Chad Henney can connect with Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson a couple times. But yeah. I think they're a little bit contingent on injuries, but you're going to find them minimum price and available in most formats. So I could see the Texans as an example this week. The other one I wrote down was the Titans because they draw the Dolphins. Now, I know the Dolphins are just coming out of a bye week. Uh, and which, they change coaches, so you know, never know what their mindset's going to be now that they you know, potentially drop that dead weight, but loss. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of teams generally out of a bye week um, are, are are focused. They have planned and prepared very well, and they're fresh. Mm-hmm. But with the Dolphins, you never know if, I don't know if there are any major changes to the offensive scheme. I mean, I, I had people asking me uh, earlier in the week, you know, should I drop Jarvis Landry because of the coaching change? And I'm like, no, don't drop Jarvis Landry yet. You don't have any idea. He could even he could end up better. We just don't know yet. So there's right. a little bit of uncertainty there. So it's a little bit risky, but the Titans did only give up 14 points to the Bills there at home. Matchup's reasonable. I mean, I've already cut the Dolphins' defense anywhere I've owned them, and I would, I would if you had to pick between which defense to start in this Tennessee-Miami matchup, I, I got to go Titans, right? Yeah, exactly. So one other team that I just kind of looked into here is uh, the Vikings' defense. Again, they play mm-hmm. KC. KC has been prone to actually giving up a decent amount of points to uh, 
uh, defenses this year, and the Vikings are actually only 18% owned in ESPN formats. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on, um, I guess, as the uh, as you're making your decisions here for um, Week Six. Yeah, and I looked at the Vikings defense uh, as well as someone that was at least listed as the top of my waiver order, but I'm going to give it some more thought and think about some matchups uh, just yeah. because the defenses that are available differ so greatly yeah. uh, from um, in all my leagues, and I, I don't know why that is, but some, some good ones some are available, surprisingly available mm-hmm. in uh, some leagues, and then there's uh, slim pickings in some areas. I don't know if it's uh, whether or not some owners decide to hang on to two defenses, which is silly, by the way. Don't do that. Um, I only do that if uh, my elite defense is sitting out in a week and I don't want to drop them, you know? Yeah, that's the only time where you really want to hang on to two defenses, but I very rarely stretch up in a draft for an elite defense. But if uh, one happens to fall into my lap and I'm holding on to them, then then yeah, then then I can see that very much. But. So, yeah, Texans and Titans, a couple defenses to maybe look at here. Uh, well, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit uh, for a free contest entry today. Also, check out ROTOWIRE free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash POD. I'm Jake Letarski. If you're out there on Twitter, at jakeski 52 And you can find me at... Uh, th- sorry, this is Eric Gatari, and you can find me at ETCAT30. All right, thanks again for listening, guys. Nick and Mike will be back with you on Wednesday. Quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.